1: I always talk about having a special guest because that's all we have, special guest. Today, it's Mr. David Taylor. After serving in the Army for 24 years, Dave retired. He now runs LDR Leadership, which focuses on positive reinforcement to develop effective leaders. Now, today, we're going to talk with Dave about his time in the military, as well as what LDR Leadership is all about. So to learn more about Dave, visit LDRleadership.com, just like that ldrleadership.com. Now let's jump into the conversation on this edition of the Victor Mark Show. So, hey, Dave, listen, you're CEO and owner, co-owner of LDR Leadership. Uh, you're located in Washington, D.C., and uh, this is interesting to me. You use uniquely designed management training programs and leadership courses to improve the culture of any organization. Now, you, you've earned a master's degree in leadership from Georgetown. So, busted your smarty pants, as well as a Bachelor of Arts from West Virginia University. Before joining LDR, they spent 24 years in uh, the Army Ranger Regiment. What regiment were you with?
2: 75th Ranger Regiment, and I was fortunate enough to serve in 1st Battalion, 2nd Battalion, and 3rd Battalion. But it was a great time, and then, yeah, finished up with the old guard at uh, Arlington National Cemetery, which was uh, which was amazing.
1: That is uh you were part of the Joint Special Operations Command. You reside now in D.C., and you're an advocate for veterans and mental health issues, man. Thanks for being on the show, brother. My pleasure. Oh, Thanks for having me. So, Old Guard, I went and spoke there. Maybe it's been three years. And Oh, I, you I in went, Comedy Hall there? Yeah. I figured it'd take one old Marine to help square away a bunch of Army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i to have some sympathy for you. Yeah, really? that a,
2: that's a great yeah. place. I, I, that was such an honorable place to serve just uh, just amazing just the mission one of my favorite was when we did the repatriations you know so they're finding remains from 50 years ago and coming back and still getting full honor funerals i mean I, you know that's when you're like hey you know we got this right this is right no matter what you're going to get the you know, you're going to get laid to rest with the honors that you deserve no matter how long it takes
1: you yeah, know honor and respect do i and i also love the level of excellence that is not only required but demanded through rigorous training and it's outstanding the marine corps drill team the silent drill team is that level but to see it man an old guard and everything every detail on so many facets i was humbled to be there and certainly motivated now leadership hey this is this is an important topic because we're in a dearth of it right now in our country. Would you agree?
2: <laughs> I would definitely, uh, I would definitely agree. It's kind of frustrating, I think. You know, from my perspective, you know, I go back to you know the pandemic when the pandemic started. You would have thought if anything could have united the country in politics, it would be a pandemic. But yet, somehow, we managed to figure out how to divide the country even further over a pandemic. You know, that's one thing I would say. What I always enjoyed. And thought was great about the military is you put on the uniform it says you know us army marine corps there's a flag and you immediately know it's about something just bigger than yourself automatically it's about the person man or woman to your left or right it's about the country and your focus is how do we make this organization better how do we promote the country how do we do things to keep things better and you, you see now and you're just like ah, oh, this is you know and another way i've equated it victor is you know, divorced parents—the only people that pay when parents don't get along—are not the parents; it's the kids. Yep. And I look at it as when parties can't get along, it's not the political parties that pay; it's it's all of us that are that are paying because you can't figure out who to believe, or what to believe, or when to believe it, or how to believe
1: it. Agree. I I would love to throw out the extreme points of views on both sides politically, and bring it down to the middle for civil discourse, and appreciate diversity so that we can still get things done. But it seems like extreme positions are fighting and influencing, even like this issue of race. You know, I've got a good friend, he served in the Marine Corps, and uh, he's in ministry now. And he started getting into critical race theory, and, and, and I just said, brother, well, I mean, what happened? I said, what color were we in the Marines? He said, green, just some lighter, some darker. I said, why does that have to be an issue? Now, I'm all for finding the areas that need to be dealt with in anything, from poverty to racism to whatever. But it's dividing our country, and it shouldn't be, and it breaks my heart. Now, I went and spoke at Fort Bragg recently to the recruits and to the cadre, and I'm going to tell you something that's pretty pretty sad. Uh, Three of the cadre had committed suicide over the last few months they uh, they had to double the time it would take to create a soldier. So I think from 12, 13 weeks, it went all the way up to 23 weeks. So they're exhausted. They're having to wear a mask, you know, and you, you couple that with the culture of what they're bringing in. The young men and women from this culture, when you yell at them, they fold. And then literally so many of them start thinking about suicidal ideology wait, 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 wait. I just yelled at you to motivate you. But they're like, oh, I can't make it. It's the oddest time I've seen in the military based on what we're getting from the culture. It makes drill instructors, drill sergeants roles extremely difficult because obviously uh, we got to pass through and get a number of recruits Mm -hmm. to fill the slots. So I, I went and spoke at Ranger Battalion. And there's a frustration among the leadership saying, what do we do? That's why they were bringing me in. They're like, help us understand and reach this new generation. How do we motivate them? And oftentimes it's like pushing a string. So in your role, Dave, uh, in your experience and all your time in the military, what are your thoughts on that? You're absolutely right. It is. And I I
2: always I tell this when I go out and I'm I'm working with uh, companies now. You know, in terms of, you know, things aren't necessarily right or wrong. They're just different, right? Things are just different. And I remember we had a, uh, a group of privates, brand new privates that came in. There's about 20. And uh, this one, I was the battalion commander down uh, at the old guard. And I, I came down and I wanted to talk to them and, you know, just get to know them, lighten things up a little bit. And, you know, I'm a football fan, I'm a NASCAR fan. So I start off with like, all right, who's your, you know, who's somebody's favorite football team? And there was like a, only a couple people that had a favorite football team. And I was like, man, that's strange. Then I'm like, all right, who's your, who's, what about NASCAR? You know, cause I'm going to, you know, it's my other thing like nobody. And then I said, baseball, and there's only a handful. And I'm like, man, what in the world? You, guess what question you uh, you thought I asked next? How many people were gamers and like 16 of the 20 all raised their hand that they're gamers. And I was like, wow, that's just, it's just different. And I, each generation, we did a study last year on multi-generational uh, teams and it's, You know, each generation is different. I mean, when you and I were growing up, you know, our parents or, you know, we'll say the same thing about the generation before, like every generation says things about the generation previous to them. There is a difference. Um, I think, you know, the aspect of social media, I think, is, is also a difficult. I mean, fortunately, my kids played sports. So they still got out and they did the physical activity. They got yelled at by their coaches. Like all these things I think are great. Right, because it's teaching them a level of discipline, respect, accountability. Now, my son still likes the game. My daughter doesn't, but I knew he would offset it when he go to football practice, or he go sure. to hockey practice, or baseball sure. practice. Yeah, um, it would be there. And it's, um, I don't, I don't know the answer because I think it is in that case. It's just tough because you got a new generation, but you have to have a standard, right? The military still has to have a standard and accountability right. because at the end of the day, the requirements of things you may have to do within the military still are going to require a certain type of uh, individual to make those,
1: make those decisions. Right. Well, here's my perspective. And what I'd if it's not working, you just can't use it. I mean, you, you, if that's the standard, and of course I got these old salty dogs, you know, these guys are just like going, I just want to twist their necks off. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm like, well, if it, w- if it works, okay. But the attrition is too high. So I remember telling them, and this was odd. This was really odd. But uh, there's a process called the five love languages. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, absolutely. Right. So I explained it to these guys, you know, a lot of these old knuckle draggers. And they're like, what? And I go, I'm not saying you don't stop barking and pushing and grinding them. But you got to have somebody on the team or time to come around and go, hey, I was pretty impressed with what you did right there, recruit. I didn't think you'd be able to do that, mama's boy. And those words of affirmation to make that kid stand up and try harder, you know, or or whatever, we have to kind of meet them mentally where they're at. That's why we have to encourage them. Because like us in our roles, we, we have to come alongside and encourage the cadre and the leadership. And you know how it is. I mean, it's a... It's a grind. So I want to bring that now into the civilian realm where how do we develop resiliency among teenagers, young adults who struggle with that? Uh, For those of you listening or watching, I mean, I'm talking with an outstanding leader. Uh, If you knew his full background, and I hope you actually investigate, but Dave Taylor is CEO and co-owner of LDR Leadership. Uh, It's a company based in D.C. He's got extensive background in the Army. um, And, you know, you just don't get away with leadership when you have critical missions that have to be accomplished because it's do or die or there's no fail points. And now taking that leadership with his company, he'll apply it to corporations, different venues that will help your organization. And, it could even be your church to really develop a character of leadership to help build resiliency? Because some of you out there listening, you know, you hire young men and women out of Bible college and you're like, what have I got here? The first time you yell at them, <laughs> you know, you're a, a till of the hunt. So a lot of it has to do resiliency, a lack of a thick skin, learning to handle conflict. Right. So wh- how, how do we help our young people uh, combat this culture of passivity And lack of personal responsibility, even when they're just sucked up into it, Dave. I mean, they're like, uh, parents are listening too, going, yes, I can't get my kid to empty the garbage can.
2: Well, you know, I think there's a a couple things to, to look at this in terms of. I think there's accountability on both sides, right? There's accountability on, you know, in this case, someone young, and there's accountability on us. And if we think about why people fail you know, why people fail. They don't know what to do or why to do it, don't know how to do it and don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. So if you think of, you know, I equate a lot of this to our kids, you know, when we have, you know, particularly if you say you've got someone new that's coming on into work, we may assume because they've graduated from a certain institution or they've completed something that they're automatically gonna know something. But what we have to realize it's still on us to provide the what, the why, the how and the resources. I may leave with a a finance degree and I may go to X corporation, but I don't know everything that goes on within X corporation. And a lot of times we want to just assume, which we all know is just bad. We just assume and we just jump to this. Now the key in also providing those things is there's got to be a very clear standard. We have to have a clear standard. And I think sometimes that is missed and a clear understood standard. So if I'm bringing someone on, um, from Bible school or someone within, in my organization, it's on us to set a very clear expectation and standard. Now, the key part is we also have to be willing to enforce that standard. And I think a lot of times we can quote unquote baby people along. If we have discipline with no consequences, we don't have anything. So if I give you a standard Victor and you don't accomplish something. And all I do is continuously tell you to do something. And I don't do anything different. All I've done as a leader now is reinforce that, that behavior. We have to provide those key things, the what, the how, the why, the resources, provide the standard. And if it's not met, we have to coach them to that standard because we want to coach to win. And right. if they don't, if eventually, if they don't get to that standard, then, you know, we've got to hold them accountable.
1: Right, listen, are y'all listening to what Dave just said? This is gold. This is a full-on gold nugget. I don't care if you're running a small business, if you're an executive level, senior management, if you're a pastor, hey, if you're a parent, I've heard this, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And I reversed it and said, but also relationship without rules can lead to just chaos. And that's the hard part. Some people work on that first level of "Okay, this is what I expect, and I need to do it." Parent, I'm talking to you. You tell your child, "Hey, uh, clean up your room." They don't. Now it's time to be follow up. Did you understand what I say? Was that clearly communicated? Why didn't you do it? And then there has to be a consequence. And this is where parents oftentimes get lazy. And uh, it because they want to be nice. Want to be nice, and it takes effort to be direct, uh, supportive but enforce consequences for not, uh, you know, it's follow through. So a lot of parents, I love y'all. You're lazy. You're lazy out there. And then you'll produce kids that are knuckleheads that cause secondary effects among other kids who are trying. So let me just tell y'all step up, listen to the principles being taught here by our guest, Dave Taylor, who's the CEO and co-founder of uh, LDR leadership. And you can actually find them online for more information it's just LDRleadership.com. Hey Victor, can I add something else to that?
2: Please. So there's you know there's a couple other things right now we were talking about and the other you know first on the consequences one for my my son, you know he would I have the shoe rack when you come inside the house you put the shoes right in the you know take your shoes off put them in the shoe rack, and I must have told him, I don't know how many times, hey put your shoes in the shoe rack, right. put your shoes in the shoe rack. I'm like all right the next time you don't put your shoes in the shoe rack they're going to be in the front yard. So lo and behold, one day, one morning he's looking for his shoes and where are they at? I'm like, they're in the front yard. And of course my daughter's like, dad, I'm like, Allison, I told him three times. So I told him probably more than I needed to. And it, well, now he does it. And there's a, a couple other things. I think this is on a business side. yeah, And also I think on a parental side is the understanding the why. And a lot of times people say, well, millennials always want to know the why. And I, I don't like the discussion about millennials because I work with quite a few of them and they're amazing again, not right or wrong, just different. But if we can articulate the why a little bit that allows us to have ownership. Again, I use my son, for example, and my daughter for like the dishes, Mm -hmm. you know, before COVID, when I was coming home from work, you know, I'd ask him to do the dishes. And then finally I explained why to them, like, Hey, the reason I would like you to do the dishes, I come home from a long day. It just means a lot that I come home. The dishes are done. It's 10, 15 minutes. The why behind we want to ask things really means a lot. And sometimes if we can't explain the why, maybe we ought not to be asking if we can't explain why we want something done. And sometimes it is very hard to explain the why because as we're growing up or we have kids, our response is because I said so, because I said so.
1: Oh, wow. That's good. And then eventually
2: they're like, well, well, why? And then it puts us through a, a point where like, hmm. And if you take that to work, hey, I need you to do this, this. And the reason I'm asking you why to do this is because this will allow X, Y, Z to occur. Now that person has a little bit more ownership of the process because they're invested in what we are thinking about as leaders.
1: Dave, I'm learning right now. I'm sitting at the feet of yoda i'm calling him yoda taylor i feel like a padawan right now and
2: there's, there's another thing i love is it's common sense which we we confuse common sense that everybody knows common sense and everything is not common sense hmm. and you know uh, i'll make this one brief again i use my son my son says i have to use, i have to give him five dollars every time i use him for a story Hey up pop i'll I you know where uh, I'm talking to my neighbor and he he comes up and stops and he's talking to my neighbor because they're both uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. That's a clear parental failure on my part because I'm a Cowboys <laughs> fan. So I messed up. And my son drives away and I hear this grinding noise. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And I go up to my son. He's only been driving for five months. Mind you, I've been driving for 30 months. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, how long has it been making that noise? And he's like, well, you know, I didn't think it was anything. I'm like, oh, let me get in the car, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, I back up like two feet and I just hear this grinding, grinding. I get out, I'm looking at the back wheel and I can clearly see this metal on metal. There's metal grinding into the brake drum. So of course, and- I'm immediately going to, yeah, it's gonna cost a lot of money. And I'm like, dude, I'm looking up at him like, what are you doing? I mean, how, what, I mean, how long has this been going on? What do you think you said to me, Victor? I don't know. I didn't know. And it no, no. stopped me dead in, dead in oh, my tracks.
1: Nice.
2: I'm like, you're right. Why would you know you've been driving for five months? I've been driving for 30 years. What's common sense to me of, hey, if there's a noise is not common sense to you. And I need to teach you that. Like, you don't know what I just instinctually know. And it's no different. And there's a couple of parallels I took from that. One is how often do we do that in work in which Ooh. we assume Everybody understands what we know. Now, as leaders, we can create common sense. But if someone just joins a team, they may not know all the things we've known for 5, 10, 15 years because we develop what's called uh, rosy retrospection, which is psychological phenomenon of what happened to us in the past looks much better now than it was when it when we were there. So when we were yeah. there, it was horrible, but now it is great. And the other aspect, and when he talks to performance and leading, is that brake drum or the brake pad is almost symbolic of a performance issue at work. Right. If we address the brake pad right away, we stop we right get there. The yeah, that's we don't get good. to the drum. If we don't fix the brake pad, now it goes to the drum and we have a bigger problem. Same thing with work-related things. If we don't address something right away, eventually we're going to have a, a bigger issue.
1: This is outstanding. I hope some of you will listen to this again forward it. Save it as a podcast or if you listen to it live on the radio. Make sure... Uh, You check uh, Dave Taylor out. Dave, you're going to need to get a book, brother, if you don't have one written already. (laughs) I don't. I'm I'm tasking you. The world needs a book on leadership by Dave Taylor. Hey, two questions that I ask my guests every time before we close. Uh, There are are no right or wrong answers. It's just your answers. Because we live in a world of perception, Uh, I'm asking you today, what is your perception of me, our organization, uh, you already know Jeff Teague. So w- what is your perception? That's <laughs> right. I try to know Jeff Teague. I mean, do you want me to go any further? No, leave <laughs> Teague out of this.
2: <laughs> oh, my, my perception is just a, an amazing uh, organization. So I, obviously, you know, I, I did my own, my own research and, and background as anybody who's prudent would. And, and I love it. I love the mission. I think, you know, particularly with our backgrounds that we've had, we're very much into self-service and, and the ways we can give back for something, uh, you know, something that's a a bigger cause than just us, uh, as individuals. So I I absolutely love it. I I commend you all for,
1: for what you do. I think it's just truly, truly amazing. Thank you. Appreciate those words. Last thing. It's a spiritual question. It's a life question. It's a life after death. We're all going to die. You and I have both probably been there on a number of occasions where we wonder (laughs) how, how are we not? And, um, so we're all gonna die. My question to you is: What happens to Dave Taylor when he dies, and why do you believe that? Huh, that's a that is a deep one. That
2: is a really really deep one. So here's my my thought. So it's when I when I, I like the mountain climb. So I'm, I, I love going out and hmm. uh, mountaineering. And and to me, whenever I go out and I'm in the mountains, it's like the most spiritual moment ever. You know, when I'm out there and it's just me and my climbing buddy. You know, no matter what you think, when you get out there and you're just in the mountains and you just see everything, you're like, "Man, there's something, just something bigger than us." Like something, it's like one of these you can't explain it. And I always think, I, I don't know, I have this thing. I'm, I'm coming back as a as a bald eagle. I don't know why. That's just like that's that's it. I'm coming back as a as a bald eagle. Outside of that, you know, if I what I do recommend for anybody out there is find that. Place that provides you that peace. When I'm in the mountains, that is where I find that peace. That is, you know, because you, you probably have listeners that have varying levels of beliefs. Sure. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I think when you get out, uh, at least for me, when I get out and I get separated from the the connectivity, the internet, the phone, the social media, you realize, man, this world, this universe is just massive. Yeah. And there's just something to me, there's just something bigger out there. <laughs> And I like to think, you know, when it's, uh, you know, it's all said and done that, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere looking, looking back, right. hopefully,
1: hopefully flying high as a, as an eagle. A solid eye. You know, uh, there's a scripture uh, in the Bible, Romans one, I think it's the first chapter of Romans, where it talks about the creation of God, uh, that people can see and know that God is real because of that. And that's, that's what I think of when I hear you talking about getting that peace, getting unplugged, and there are a lot of people listening right now. You may be struggling. You may be a veteran, and you're thinking about just making a final decision for a temporary problem, and I would say this. Don't do it. Hold still. Don't give up. Man, do what Dave said. Get out of nature. Take a breath. Let this pass because it will, uh, no matter the stress you're feeling right now. And uh, for those of you who want to look into spiritual things, of course, my position is – I like the surety of salvation that I get from the thought of Jesus Christ dying on that cross for me. Um, and I, if you want a booklet with the, His words of the four Gospels, I'll send you one. It's a nice little leather bound. Is it leather bound or is it artificial looking leather bound? <laughs> it looks good. All I know, it's small enough to put it in your pocket and read. And I'll send you the words, Dave. I'm gonna send you one, man. It's a it's a Excellent. good little pocket curve. But uh, uh, yeah, get words of wisdom. Hey, Dave, I just want to thank you for being on the broadcast, brother. This was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can talk about this all day long with you. Yeah, and I think we'll get Teagues in here, too, just so we can both uh, flank him Oh and boy, with that, him. That'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you might well, want to they, make
2: that the comedy show.
1: Yeah, well, this is part-time comedy, that's for sure. <laughs> From full-time good guys. God bless you,
2: man. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, stay safe out there. in that uh, you know, somehow
1: deep snow for those who live out in Colorado. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're we're out, and whatever lane you're running in, whatever thing you're doing, do it the best that you can for the glory of God, and never give up. Go get it done.